Hey! <laughs> and we're in. So, I guess you wanted to go first with follow-up. Follow-up. So, girlfriend's family from Canada visited. Okay. And, uh... I'm picking up a backpack that... Aaron is pulling an indiscreet object from a bag. I cannot see it currently. Um. I have a feeling I know what this is. <laughs> the first shipment came in. <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's Big Turks. So many Big Turks. How many? How many? Oh my. <laughs> That's a what? At least four kilos? Uh, I don't know. But it's beautiful. They handed it to me. Oh, uh, I guess it says right here. It's only 2.2 kilograms. Okay. okay. But still. <laughs> that's a lot of big turks. Currently, David is in his hands holding a box. A large box of big turks. One that you'd see in a store full of big turks. And he's holding it. And all is well. It's deceptively heavy. Indeed. Take one, my friend. You must. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, yes. I know how much these mean to no, you. No, <laughs> no. Take, take one. Take one. Okay. I, I need you to take one. All right. Or I can even consider. <laughs> well, thank you. Anything. Any of the box. Actually, so I had the supply of Big Turks already, like the couple of Big Turks that I had bought already. And as soon as I got my box, I like started eating the other ones. Like, I ate, like three <laughs> or four. I was like, I'm a monster. <laughs> So, that's, that's my follow-up, that I have the Big Turks, and they are beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll just put this back where I found it. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, so, how many more shipments are coming in after that? Well, I should be getting another one in September. <laughs> and maybe I can talk them into getting me two boxes. <laughs> Although I don't know what I'm going to do with three boxes of Big Turks. I, I have a feeling you'll probably eat through that box before September, if I had to guess. <laughs> as large as probably. as large as it is, I I think you'll accomplish that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I could manage it. You you you're, you're telling yourself you're going to behave and only you know one, <laughs> maybe two per day, but right, I can right. see you indulging quite highly on these. <laughs> Four or five a day. Yeah. That's, that's doable. That's... One an hour. One an hour. <laughs> just consuming. Just, just take it and unwrap it and just put the whole thing. And just swallow it like the hot dog competition eaters do. Just <laughs> gone. <laughs> no, I'd be happy. That is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Of course, of course. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone else to share it with. I was like, I need to show David. As soon as I got my shipment, it was beautiful. So that's my follow-up. So I have big turks. When when you, when you get this kind of rolling and you know streamlined, mm-hmm. let me know so I can okay. help with some of the logistics. <laughs> Getting okay. big turks across the border. That's, that's true. A family vacation is not 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 a very like consistent or manageable way to get big turks it's not it's not consistent enough but it is a good cover that's true that's true oh i'm just coming to visit some family and they bring me three suitcases of big turks 
Well, this this will hopefully satisfy you for at least a month, <laughs> <laughs> maybe less. I'll cross my fingers and hope that hope that maybe maybe it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yes. So I know we have a lot of other things like important matters that we're going to talk about today that like <laughs> change civilization and that type of thing. But right, right. I have a big concern right now that's driving me nuts, and that is the Wendy's right next to. The university I attend, yeah. that I often go and get lunch at, yeah. is so stinking slow. What? I can never go in there and get my food in less than 15 minutes. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. Like, really? they're always... I'm trying to think of a big word for... Slow. <laughs> 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 but they're just incredibly slow. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay. And one of the reasons why is they'll do this thing where the cashier or the person that's taking your order, he'll take one order, maybe two, if he's filling up to it that day. And then (laughs) he goes and fills the order while people are waiting in line. And so he'll take an order, he'll go fill the chili for you or the, you know, get you the frosty or the drink or whatever it is. Okay. And the hamburger and the fries from the cooks and everything. And you put that order all together first Okay. Before he goes and takes the next order. And if that order is taking a while, he will like just kind of wait for the order to finish before he takes the next order. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> That's insanity. What? Yeah. I so so let me get this straight. He yeah. takes an order and then until that order is like almost ready to go. He doesn't take the next order. Like, he won't yeah. take the next order until the current order is almost ready to go. Yes. That's maddening. That <laughs> that defeats the whole system. The whole system. I'm hoping that it's partially designed, not just incompetence. I'm, I'm hoping that's what his manager told him. Because I could see yeah. from, like, the cook's perspective or in a situation where you're slightly understaffed. Mm-hmm. If you are, you know, you only have a couple of cooks and they're trying to get all the food together and the person taking the orders is getting them much faster than you can fill them out, Mm -hmm. I could see that it could cause a lot of stress on the cooks because they just see this list of orders piling up and piling up and piling up. Whereas if the person at the front is restraining themselves on how quickly they're taking orders Mm -hmm. by waiting for those orders to be filled, then the cooks will always see, you know, exactly three or four or five, whatever it is, orders on the screen at any given time. Okay. So I'm hoping that's the reason. Like, I'm hoping it's not just like <laughs> some cruel, terrible management problem. I'm hoping there's some design to it, but I've never worked in fast food industry, so I don't know. It's true. It's true. But so, either way, it doesn't change the frustration and <laughs> how long it takes to get the order. Right, right. So I could buy, I, I think it's summertime where we live. And this, this Wendy's is right next to a university. Do you have the same problem during school? When when university's in session, well, is it the same like? So the problem is I don't eat there as often when mm-hmm. school's in session because mm-hmm. there's actually a lot more places to eat on campus. Okay. Whereas okay. in the summer, <laughs> we'll have to discuss this later. But I hate summertime for many reasons, and one of them <laughs> is all the good places to eat on campus close during the summer. <laughs> but um, obviously, that's terrible. That's yeah, that's but, the worst part. But to, uh, to be fair, though, the times I have gone. 
it has been slow, but that's also just because there's been a lot more business as well. Uh, so I don't know if there's more employees, but if, even if there are more employees, there also is a lot more people in the restaurant. Okay. I haven't checked as clearly at that time. But I think they still do the same thing. I just think it goes a lot faster because the order's just kind of ready to go as soon as the person's done taking it. Right, right. But there's, you know, but then there's 20 people in line instead of, you know, five or whatever it may be. Right, right. But being in a college town, I feel they have little excuse for no employees, not enough employees <laughs> to fill the kitchens, to make the food. I just feel that the whole concept of a fast food joint is that. You ever been to Jimmy John's? Um, once or twice. Okay. Not a whole lot. Okay. Jimmy John's is like one of the most impressive ones I've seen at this, where they actually like, it's the fastest food I've ever gotten. <laughs> Because I I would go through the line and look at the stuff and oh, okay I want this on my sandwich and this on they make subs for those who don't know it's like it's like a sub giant anyway there's a lot of them it's a chain thing and I was going through the line telling them what I wanted and I felt like I didn't have to talk to them a whole lot to tell them what I wanted like the the sandwich was already kind of pre-designed in the way that it should be kind of the same way there at a fast food joint you order the sandwich and it's just if you want to change it, you have to tell them you want to change it. If not, you get the standard, which is pickles and lettuce, tomatoes. Same thing with this other company. But as soon as I was, like, done paying for my food, like, the food had been sitting there for, like, a minute on the counter, like, ready <laughs> to go. And I was I was so happy because it was actually yeah. really fast. It was really good. And that's the point of fast food <laughs> is that you order it and almost as soon as you order it, it's ready to go. It's like the microwave of restaurants. It should, <laughs> it should just out food. It should just ready to go. You know, 30 seconds and your, your turkey's cooked and you're ready to go. I think that's fair since a lot of fast food places use microwaves, but <laughs> I like that analogy. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that story because, uh, my brother, when he was attending campus, he uh, he went to the Taco Bell a lot. Yeah. And he went so frequently around the same times that the same person was always working. Uh -huh. That when he saw my brother in line, he'd tell the people to get his order ready because he always knew he was getting, like, the steak fiesta bowl or whatever it was back mm -hmm. then. And, like, my brother didn't even have to say the order. He would just hand him his card and, like, the, the bowl would be ready to go, like, right there. <laughs> One guy behind him in line was like, whoa, like, how'd you do that? <laughs> It's like, I come here a lot. A lot. That's beautiful. That's the greatest thing ever. That's amazing to just don't have to speak. Don't speak. Just here's my card. Just kind of gave him the nod to like make sure like, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's why I want. That's why I want, you know. Do the nod. The, yeah. That's the order. <laughs> I love it. That's the greatest thing. That's how it should be. This problem it's ridiculous <laughs> can i tell you can i tell you one more story yes yes please it's interesting that you bring up again fast food obviously for me the key is fast yeah i'm kind of a workaholic so i value my time a lot so i want to get in and out of there as quickly as possible right and so for certain restaurants and certain uh, places that i know are generally slower at making food yeah if i like the food and i still want to go there i will purposely like wait out to go later in the day, like in the afternoon at like two or three when it's not as busy. When the rush is gone, the lunch when the rush, rush is gone. gone. Just yeah. because I know that will give me a better chance of getting the food faster. I okay. did that at Wendy's. Like, cause at this point I hadn't gotten any food like sooner than 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go at like three o'clock. 
Right, right. I go. I'm the only guy in line. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my food in under 15 minutes. I order some chicken tenders. Okay. And the guy's like, okay, well, oh, we got to cook a new batch. So we'll have those out for you as soon as they're done. It took 15 minutes. Like, exactly. Like, I, like, timed it. I'm like, no, it's a curse. It's a curse. I cannot go to that Wendy's and get my food in under 15 minutes. That's, that's impossible. That's craziness. That, that sounds cursed. I mean... Next next time I'll go and order like a frosty. No, <laughs> they'll be like, "Oh, we need to get the ice cream from the supplier really quick." <laughs> He's on his way with the truck. Like, they'll, they'll start filling up your cup, and then we'll get halfway full. Like, oh, we're out of ice cream. Just a second, we have to make some more. Pull out the whole bucket and the, the ice and the salt and and the cream and start mixing it up for you. Like, oh my goodness, no! He's, he's gonna hand it to me at like fourteen minutes and thirty seconds. But he accidentally trips and like spills it. <laughs> So I'll, I'll just make another one really quick. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> goes back, takes another minute to fill up the cup. I think it's a curse. It's, I just think it's gonna always it's cursed. Be I don't really, I don't really know what we can do to fix a curse. <laughs> that's a little. That's a good point. Beyond me, it's beyond me and my abilities. Okay, fair enough. Let's let's assume it's not a curse. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. How, how do we solve this problem when fast food places aren't fast enough? I don't know. That's. It's almost like society has failed if fast food isn't fast enough. It's <laughs> like the first indicator oh. of the apocalypse, right? Right, right. I mean, Wendy's can't make their food in under fifteen minutes. Can't make your food in under fifteen minutes. That's what hope do we have for society? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just. What if we? What if we? What if we timed all the fast food joints? And had like a big billboard with like running mm. averages for orders, <laughs> and it could be like a competition between the fast food joints. Ooh, I do like that. So, so Wendy's has taken an average of fifteen minutes in order. They're like the bottom of the list with Wendy's fifteen minutes, and you're like fifteen minutes, and up at the top there's like three seconds for. I don't know, Jimmy John's. They just they they the order is done as you're getting. It's almost almost at zero. You're like, okay, 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 maybe maybe. And and so if in a rush, you can pull out your app or your phone and check the billboard, check the standings, and see who's going to be the fastest at getting your order out. I think rather than rather than having the inconvenience of having to pull out your phone, I think we should just place these billboards every, you know. 100 feet or so <laughs> on every major highway. Every 100 feet. There's another billboard constantly updating all connected to the same server. Better. We put them on the fast food joints. Like a big billboard right on the side of the joint. Like right by the front door. So that you can know. And then theirs is like highlighted in a different color. Like this location. <laughs> Ding! 15 minutes. Be warned. <laughs> You're warned. You've been warned. I think the front door's a little too late because, like, okay. once okay. you've determined that you want to eat somewhere, like, it's really frustrating if you go and you know it's, it's going to be a long wait. True. Again, billboard size, I'm thinking just above the restaurants. <laughs> Instead of having, like, their logo or something, it should just be a <laughs> giant rotating number of their current wait time. <laughs> yes! That would be perfect because then it, it, you wouldn't have to think. You wouldn't have to, wouldn't have to guess. You just look around. And you see all the tall, the tall signs, and you see the smallest note. You're like, I'm in a hurry. I need to get my food and get out of here. And you look around, and you see 
Over there it says 15 seconds. And over there it says 15 minutes. You're like, oh my God, 15 seconds. <laughs> and you roll up and you're like, oh, surprise, it's Jimmy John's. All right, let's do it. <laughs> or it's whatever restaurant. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently only a Jimmy John's. <laughs> According to this conversation. That's the only one that's really impressed me with their speed. Except, where was I? Zaxby's. Yes. That one time we went. Like, that would have really helped their averages. I We went, to, so, after after recording the podcast, we went to our, our favorite chicken joint. My favorite chicken joint. Is it your favorite Yes, joint? yes. Okay, <laughs> our favorite chicken joint. <laughs> and got chicken. And I ordered it. And they handed me my cup for my drink. And I like I walked over to the freestyle machine, the big Coca-Cola freestyle machine. And before, almost even before pressing the screen to start selecting what I wanted to drink, they called my name for the order. And I turned around. And I was like, ah, okay, I can't get my order now. I haven't even got my drink. How do I do this? They were so fast that I was in trouble. I was, I was in, I was in great trouble. It was so fast. You were almost inconvenienced. Yes. I was, I was inconvenienced because I didn't have my drink. I had to take go get my tray, take my tray back to my table, take my drink, go back to the freestyle machine and then spend another five minutes figuring out what I wanted to drink <laughs> because those machines cause me great, great problems when I don't know exactly what I want to drink. Throws you into decision paralysis every time. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> it's it's quite amazing. There, there was one time, actually, it was that same visit yeah, to yeah. that chicken place. We, yeah, I went and sat down after I got my drink and food, and Aaron went back to go fill his drink. But I thought he'd gone to the bathroom. He was gone so long. I'm like, oh, he must have used the restroom. He's like, no, no, I'm just trying to figure out what drink I wanted. It's like, dude, that was like five minutes. <laughs> And it was terrible because I was just standing there looking at the freestyle machine and looking at all the options and going, I don't know. I don't know what I want. Do I want soda? Do I want juice? Do I want the cherry or the vanilla or the orange? I don't know. (laughs) It's a trap. That machine's a trap. You have to go to the machine knowing what you want or else else it's it's a long process for you. I went through the drive-thru on a side note. I went through the drive-thru there. And I asked them what drinks they had because they didn't have it, like, listed clearly. And they were like, oh, we have Coke products and also the freestyle machine. And I was like, <laughs> so if I tell you, I, I was just thinking in my head, I didn't say this to them, but I was like, if I tell them that I want anything out of that freestyle machine, like, they'll get me anything out of the freestyle. That's amazing, but also really hard because <laughs> how do they know? <laughs> how do I know what? Yeah. I, I could see you just talking to the person through the drive through <laughs> Okay, click on the uh, vitamin water button. What, what, flavors? <laughs> what flavors do they have? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, click back. Go to the Dr. Pepper. Which oh, which uh, which flavorings <laughs> do they have with it? Do they have a do they have a coconut and vanilla one? No, just vanilla. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go back. Uh, let's go look at the cream soda. <laughs> That's amazing because I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up. I, was, I, I wanted. It. I was like, freestyle machine. I can get anything. I was like, vitamin water. What vitamin water do I want? Because I just finished working out, and I needed. I wanted a vitamin. So I was like, okay. So what flavors of vitamin water do you have? And he has to list out the flavors. And I was like, I'm sorry. And then I picked one and I ordered. It. I didn't go through the whole debacle, but that's amazing because I did ask about the vitamin water. <laughs> I thought that was a completely illogical move for someone to do, but apparently not. 
Oh no, it doesn't. It is completely illogical. It's just what I did. That's all. <laughs> I felt really bad for that guy when I went because I roll up and I had a semblance of an idea of what I wanted, but it's it's almost. I bet they can tell because as soon as I got on on the mic with him, I was just like. I don't know what I want anymore. And then I, it spent like five minutes trying to order. And this poor guy is probably just like, just order your chicken already. You're just getting chicken. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, I think drink decision paralysis is not a a global problem. (laughs) So we may have to address that another day. But but going back to... uh, the speed issue here. <laughs> right, back to the original problem. I like the idea of having giant numbers rotating above the building. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully so you can see them from at least a mile away. Yeah. So as you're driving to find a place to eat, you know, you can see them pretty clearly. Um, but, I mean, generally speaking, you have a pretty good sense of what places are fast. It would hopefully drive more competitive times if people could see that more discreetly. That would be the right, goal. Right, right. But, I mean, I mean... I've been to really fast McDonald's, but I don't like eating at McDonald's very often. So, right, right. I, I, but I know that's fast. If I need to get a fast option, that's where I go. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah. is there specifically something that can we can do to make the slow places faster because they're good and I want to eat there more often, but they're just so slow. Slow. I guess I guess the signs would hopefully drive again social pressure to like, right. and well, economic pressure too to right, like, right. be competitive, but. I don't know. All these places have been slow for a long time, and they still seem to be kicking, so <laughs> they don't seem to be hurting much from their slowness. That's true, though. You're right, because a lot of places almost wear it as a badge of pride, like, oh, it's going to take some time. There's this this grilled cheese place that I like to go to, and my girlfriend likes to go to, and it's really good. But I plan, like, an hour at least to be there, <laughs> because they just take so long it just takes forever to get the food ready. It's fine. It's okay. But I just, I didn't know the first time. So when I went the first time, my expectations were up high with like, good cheese. All right, let's get this. Let's get this done. This is easy. This is quick. And then like 20 minutes later, the order still wasn't out. And I was like, well, great. Um, now I'm frustrated about my grilled cheese. So how do we help the slow places? You can just get like a drill sergeant in there. Like yell at them consistently. <laughs> Doesn't really help the workplace environment, but it would <laughs> would motivate people to move a little bit faster. Someone to to yell really loud and <laughs> and encourage them with how how you know how drill sergeants encourage people. It, it, it works. It works really well. I mean, if you've ever yeah, I mean, the military works great, so <laughs> they must be doing something right. That's a good point. That'd get in the hustle. I would, uh, would I hustle if I was getting yelled at by a drill sergeant? I think you would the first day. I think you'd quit the second day. I... <laughs> <laughs> at least I would. I agree. I agree. So, it'd be a very short solution, very short term solution. Then you lose all your employees. And right. Then but, we have a bigger problem. But then, so maybe this is the gateway though, because what could happen is we could get the drill sergeant in there. Everyone would quit. All the slow people would quit. And then we could replace them with, I don't know, like the military, <laughs> like military kind of guys. They need they need a job when they're not working the military. So only let military personnel work fast food. 
Do, do we have that much military personnel in the U.S.? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> no, that's not a good idea. I, and, and, and I'm not saying that I, I don't really think it's all the employees' fault. I mean, no. But a lot of it's understaffing, especially around here. You see help wanted ads everywhere. Yeah, and all the restaurants. Hiring, yeah. It's not an issue so much of people moving slow. They're moving at regular speeds, and that's fine. You're going to be working there for right. a long time. You, you want to be comfortable in your work environment. You don't want to be constantly rushed. I'm okay with that. But when it's understaffed, there's not much you can do to speed it up. So, I mean, the obvious solution, obvious solution is to staff it better, right? Get Sta- more people. Yeah, more, but, more staff would, would, yeah. But you can't just say, oh, get more people to work there because <laughs> obviously they're trying to. <laughs> they're trying. They have a bunch of help have. wanted signs everywhere, you know? Right, right. Another idea. So instead of a drill sergeant, what about a coach? And instead of employees that are regular Joe Schmoes, we put competing teams in different restaurants and do the number thing, the speed, the timer, with the teams. People who do sports. And this would also solve some of the sports problem <laughs> because they'd be playing less sports. They'd be involved in something that matters a little bit more to the community. Speed not, not, a not, not, not a lot. Not a lot. No, no. <laughs> Definitely not a lot. Just a, just a touch. Just a little bit. You staff it with, with sports people, athletes, and put them in competition with competing teams at different locations with the timers. Then And then the coach to yell at them cause, and, and encourage them. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I trust a coach more with a group of people than a drill sergeant. In those roles, in the coach and, and drill sergeant roles, I'd, I'd, want, I'd want a coach role for my people. See, you you approach this solution totally different than I would. Really? Because I think I think the you you want more people in this scenario, where I say the less people involved, the better. <laughs> Let's get some more tech in here. Is my my approach? That's a good point, though. So yeah, yeah. You can already start seeing some of this in some restaurants. Like for example, McDonald's. You'll often see the ordering kiosks in the front of the restaurant. Have you ever been to McDonald's with one of those? No, that sounds amazing. When you have these ordering kiosks, then no one has to take your order, which frees up one or two people that are normally taking your order to go help cook. So that already helps the staffing problem. It'd also be sweet if there was just like machines for grilling up the fries, because right now someone has to pour in the bag and serve you up the fries. I want to see a machine that just like has a ton of fries, you know, ton of skinned <laughs> potatoes ready to go in a giant vat. Right. And it just like grabs a big scoop out of the out of this big vat, puts it in <laughs> yes. the fryer, automatically distributes it into small containers of fries for you. Right, you right. Know, something like that. So no, I yeah, I could see that. Because I mean, you think about it, fast food is it's a very you know assembly line based process. So right, that's what makes it fast. Why not just include more automated parts to automated it? You know, part, right. We already can do that. I've seen automation machines that break my mind a little bit. So why not? I don't see why not. I just want I just want to see it get to the point that <laughs> it has a GPS locator on people that come to that restaurant often. <laughs> you can buy like a little card or like they just give you a little card you put in your wallet. And as you're like approaching the restaurant, it like knows what order you generally get and it just like preps it and cooks it, you know? Right, right. There's there's your double cheeseburger ready to go when you get to the restaurant. You just put in your card and it comes out of a little bin. <laughs> like here's your order. You pull it out and walk away with your food. That would that would be that that's the way of the future. Clearly, this is amazing. 
That that'd be the goal. Right, I, right. I, <laughs> complete complete level five automation. <laughs> no humans involved. <laughs> the, the entire building is just a big factory, basically. Right, right, right. And people's orders just come into predetermined bins. You know, they just on your phone it pops up. You know, look for. Bin number seven. Right. You know, right. Put your card in and unlocks the bin. You pull it out and you're good. Pull out your, your bag with your food in it and you're good to, yeah, you're good to go. I I like it. I like it. Although I'm a little a little disheartened that they came up with a pretty good solution without us. Because those ordering kiosks, that's like, that's the way. <laughs> I, I see it now. I can see that would solve your problem. Yeah. How dare someone try and save the world without our... Our approval. <laughs> Our consent. Indeed. Indeed, those people. <sighs> so. So. I don't know that I need a solution. I think there's already a solution for this problem that's actually already in place. But I just I just I need to express my frustrations to, I think, somebody <laughs> who will understand. Okay. Because I tried to express this problem with my girlfriend, and she did not understand. Is this going to be another dress store scenario? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it will be. (laughs) Something that's not really a problem, but for some reason you find it. But yes, (laughs) I find it a problem for me, and therefore it must be solved somehow. Let's let's solve your problems. Okay. So Venmo is a new thing. And I avoided it for a long time. I, I I feel I successfully avoided it for quite some time. But it's at a certain point, a couple, like a, a month ago, all of a sudden, a lot, it came up a lot of times really fast in a short period of time. And I kind of felt like, okay, this is a sign that even though I don't want it to, the times are changing and I've got to get a Venmo. Venmo, for those who don't know, is, an, it's like a PayPal, but. It's a way for people to exchange money online, right. like with your friends, rather than through a company or you know, writing a check to somebody. You can just say, I'll Venmo it to you. Right. And you can just send them money. Right, right. And I makes... find it very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense. It's really, I, I don't know why I was avoiding it so strongly, but I was. I had been avoiding it for so long. And then I was like, okay, it's time to get a Venmo. I need to get Venmo. Sign up for a Venmo, and it's not its not a problem. The main reason I didn't want to get one is because I didn't want to have another bank to deal with. Like, I didn't want to have another banking system to deal with. I already have my two other ones, and, and then and my PayPal account. It's like, okay, well, Venmo. Let's do Venmo. Okay. So I sign up for a Venmo, and immediately I see many problems stirring. <laughs> the first greatest problem, I sign up for Venmo, and the first problem that I see is that on their website... They have a banner across the top that says, oh, by the way, we're going to be removing functionality from the website. So you can only do you can only do transactions on your phone. And immediately I was irked, <laughs> greatly irked, because I like having a smartphone, but I can't be bothered to use my smartphone for everything. I'd much rather just use the website for my banking. I'm always on my computer when I do my banking. Why can't I just use the website? That would be fine. It's just another functionality. But no, they're removing functionality from the website. I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. That's fine. Whatever. I'll deal with it. And then the more I learned about Venmo, the more I was frustrated with it. And the more I was surprised 
at how silly it all seems to me. I get on there and you can have friends. And I was like, friends? Friends? I don't, I, I'm trying to do banking. I don't have friends in banking. I have people I need to pay and people who need to pay me. They're not my money. No, that doesn't make any sense. Friends? So it's fine. Okay, whatever. Fine. So I start exploring, exploring more into Venmo, and I see that there's like a timeline, like almost like Facebook has like like statuses and like that timeline that you can scroll through, and there's all sorts of stuff. People post whatever they want, and I have this timeline that looks almost like that, but it's full of my friends' transactions and why they did it, and I was like, what? Why am I seeing their transactions? This is... What? This doesn't make any sense. It's a social media bank. I was like, what is this? Why did I sign up for this? How am I trapped? And then I tried to open it on my phone, and my phone's not the greatest smartphone. It crashes on my phone. It doesn't work on my phone. The app doesn't work. I was like, great. Just just great. And then I learned that that Venmo is owned by PayPal, and there's no way for me to link my PayPal to my Venmo so that I can just not deal with any of this nonsense. And I'm so frustrated by it. <laughs> I'm just ex- so I'm just so frustrated. I just don't understand why so, I can't just have PayPal and be done with it. <laughs> so I do share in some of your complaints. Okay, okay. I didn't notice the web functionality removal thing. I haven't used it in a while. Mm-hmm. But I would find that frustrating because mm-hmm. I'm also very much a computer guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the timeline thing. I have always found that weird. It's like I don't really care to know what other people are like spending <laughs> money on or exchanging money for. Like, right, it right. seems really odd. I, I'm pretty sure you can set it to private for your transactions if you want. I can? Yeah. Okay. So other people don't see yours. Oh, okay. But <laughs> – when I do it with my family and friends, we've just started, like, putting nonsense transaction. Because you can just put it for whatever you want. You don't have to say, like, when you share money for, like, movie tickets or something. Yeah. The the assumption is that you're going to put in, you know, for movie tickets. Right. But you can put whatever you want right there. So we always put, like, you know, really abstract things or yeah. really, like, strange things. Like, okay. money for that, you know, washing machine or, <laughs> you know, for that crowbar, you know, or something <laughs> random at the, like, hardware store or Right, right. Just to make it seem nonsense. But yes, it is a very bizarre aspect, I think, of Venmo. Yeah. But overall, I I don't mind the service. I mean, they're they're providing a way for you to quickly share money. The fact that it doesn't work on your phone, I can see that being frustrating. That's, yeah, that's, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know who to talk to to get that resolved. That's the (laughs) problem there is that I'm just like, I can't do anything about it. And I can't use the Venmo. I can only like receive money. I tried to pay somebody and I couldn't. And I was like, Turned to my girlfriend, I was like, will you please pay them for me and I will pay you back. I'll, is... Venmo, I'll Venmo you I'll... the money later <laughs> after I figure out how to fix it. I will PayPal you the money <laughs> as soon as I get money into my PayPal. So really quickly, before we solve this problem, okay. I got I to share another Venmo story. Please, please do. Please do. Yes. Um, so I had a, a good friend of mine. Um, we actually used to be next door neighbors. Okay. Um, ironically enough, he's about... 10 years older than me or so. Okay. But we ended up getting into teaching about the same time. He's a math teacher and I'm a physics teacher. Okay, yeah. And so I kind of moved fast through the school system. 
<laughs> we can discuss that story another time. But anyways, we both ended up becoming teachers about the same time. Yeah. And uh, he asked, asked me to tutor him on some of the praxis tests he was taking. That's okay. the test you take to get certified to teach. And so I tutored him a couple of times and he, we live pretty far apart, you know, about 30 minutes drive from each other. And he was always willing to come to my place, which is great. I appreciate that. But he always wanted to pay me in person too. And so one time he forgot to pay. And I was like, oh, just, just Venmo me over the money. And he was <laughs> like you. He, he was so resistant. He's like, uh, I, I don't know if I want to do Venmo. I don't know if I trust the security on it. I'll just, I'll just drive over sometime. Yeah. And it just made me kind of laugh because I'm thinking, you know how many people use Venmo in a day? <laughs> like if any, if any transaction was like fraudulent, you know how quickly they pick that up. It, yeah. it just makes me laugh when people are like, oh, I don't trust the security of an app. The app used by hundreds of thousands of people. Right. <laughs> I, I trust that just fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting, uh, just as a quick side note, um, especially on apps like Venmo and even your banking account. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a cybersecurity class mm-hmm. one time, and there actually we had a whole class discussion on passwords. Yeah. And a lot of times now you'll see these you know two-factor authentication things where you have to authenticate in two ways, like something you know or something you have, like a fingerprint or you know, something along those lines, your phone can be your second authentication. Yeah, yeah, it'll send you a text or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing from this class is that if you had to put your most secure password, your most secure password with two-factor authentication, most people would say that the password that should be for or the service that should be for is your banking account, which is reasonable intuitively. That you want that to be as secure as possible. Right, right. But if you look at like the tiers of things that should be secure, most people actually put that like down two tiers, like in the security realm, because banks are so closely tracked that even if someone like broke into your account and tried to, you know, spend money for you or transfer the money, you know how quickly they could lock down on that. Right. Like there's, there's no reason in all honesty for your bank account to be that secure because... The system itself is so internally secure, secure. in its nature. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's secure. And, and so you don't need to be all tight about it because it's already taken care of. Yeah. So it, it's, it's such a well-tracked system that that password security really doesn't have to be that high. But it's often, you know, they have two-factor authentication, these types of things, because people intuitively associate, oh, that's my money. That's something I need to keep secure. And so they'll put a, the strongest passwords on that. Okay. But in reality... I bet you know this. What's the number one password that really matters? I'm going to say social media. No. Oh. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me. Email. 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 Email should be two-factor authenticated, but it's often not. Yeah. The reason being is that every other service, if you can't remember your password, what does it go to? Your email. Your email. Your email. But email, because it's something you try to get to so quickly... They often won't make you do two-factor authentication because people want to get to that quick. Two-factor authentication slows you down. Right. But in reality, that should be your most secure password and system That's true. because everything else authenticates to it and relies on it. That's true. Did I tell you about the Russians? <laughs> no. <laughs> so so uh, now that you mention this, I'm actually supremely glad that my I have like the throwaway password. And then my email password, and I'm so glad that those are different. 
Yes. Now that you mention this, because I hadn't considered this, Instagram was another thing that I was not excited for, <laughs> and I resisted heavily, and I finally got one, mostly for work purposes, so that I could have access to my boss's pictures of jobs we had done. He takes pictures and puts them on the Instagram, and I had no way to get to them. So I got an Instagram, and within like two days, I got an email that said my password had been changed. And I was like, my password was changed? Who changed my password? I just barely... Ma I get on there, and the email address had also been changed, and I checked it, and it was like B076QR3 at somebody something something dot RU. It's like, <laughs> a Russian <laughs> hacked into my Instagram account? And... Above all else, I was mostly just shocked. Like, why would you even want to get into my Instagram account? There's nothing there. I only follow two people. I already had 14 followers, which is amazing because I don't use it ever. I, I have it, but I don't use it. And they hack, and they didn't post anything. They just broke into my account. And I was just so frustrated. Aaron, you don't realize the power of being able to share pictures of cabinets under your name. <laughs> That, that's that's got to have a lot of influence in Russia. That's probably It must. It must be. I mean, they must just envy the work we do, I guess, for cabinetry, maybe. I got to show you one more quick story. Really okay, quick. okay. Um, so one time I was at a, another university campus. Um, this is where my brother was getting his PhD. Mm -hmm. And he was getting his PhD in physics, but he was good friends with the people that um, were doing computer science. Okay. And I went and visited him one time, and he was giving me a tour around the facilities and stuff. And he went up to the computer science part of the building, and he showed me where they hold all the servers for the campus. It's okay, really cool. cool. They have all yeah. the, you know, the huge towers and the cooling vents and all these things. Server racks. Yeah. And it's, it's always super fun to go in those rooms because it's so cold. Yeah. And anyways, it was a hot summer day. <laughs> <laughs> But afterwards, he introduces me to one of his friends who was in charge of computer security. And he had the coolest algorithm, something he had designed himself that it would show him like on this big like TV screen, all the IP addresses that were visiting campus oh. or campus website. Yeah. And so they just like pop up with IP addresses and locations and you get a feel of like where people were coming from. Right. And he told me the story that one day he was there on the on his machine and looking at all the addresses and all of a sudden all these Russian like IP addresses start coming in <laughs> really? and he starts like starts freaking out. He's like, Oh crap, we're getting hacked by Russians. And so like he starts doing all this checking. He finds out that the university was actually doing like a Russian foreign exchange program. <laughs> so it was actually like totally valid. And right, right. they were just like looking up the campus cause they were going to be visiting for a month or something. But it's just on his screen all of a sudden all these Russian IP addresses. And he's like, Oh no, the Russians are attacking. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's, but that's hilarious. A false alarm on that. Right, right. <laughs> but that would be absolutely terrifying. But it, it was just kind of funny because it's like the stereotypical hack, you know, like right, a right, Russian's yeah. hacking. The, the Russians, right. <laughs> poor, the poor Russians getting getting a bad rap, kind of. I mean, they did hack into my Instagram, which is not cool. <laughs> but they didn't hack into the universities. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's a plus. <laughs> but going back to Venmo after this long tangent... <laughs> I guess in, in your mind, if you could you could fix this system or replace it with something else, how how would you change it up? There's one thing I want. 
There's just one thing. I want to link my Venmo to my PayPal account. They are the same company. We looked it up. I want them <laughs> to be the same account. I want to I want to be able to say, okay, any money I get from Venmo, I just want to see it in my PayPal and use it from my PayPal. I don't want to have to deal with the Venmo anything. Because I don't I don't I don't enjoy the social aspect of it. I don't that's not fun for me. I don't I don't want to be sociable about my I already stay off social media plenty enough. <laughs> I don't need my bank to be social media as well. The one place where I just I just want cold, cruel efficiency. <laughs> and they have to show me a timeline and they take away my website functionality. I just I like PayPal. I like PayPal a lot. And I just want them I just want whenever I get money in Venmo, I just want them to send it directly to my PayPal. And I want to be able to pay people through the Venmo from my PayPal. I just I just want I just want it to be a gateway. I just want to replace that with like a gateway between between the people I'm spending money with and my PayPal. It just needs that's all I want. It's like a tube, a pipe. Huh. I don't I don't need another block. I don't need another <laughs> building for my money to run into and run around for a little while. I don't want to give them my money. I want PayPal to have my money, even though they're the same company. I can't use Venmo. I can use PayPal. Did, did I ever tell you that I was banned from PayPal? You were banned from <laughs> PayPal forever? Yeah. What? I can't use PayPal. What? Why? Uh, that's a long story that we'll have to <laughs> describe at a later time. Nothing unethical on my part, I promise. Okay, 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 but, okay. Um, maybe later, because <laughs> that's, there... <laughs> that's a good 30-minute story about how I got banned from PayPal. Wow. Is there no way for you to get back on? No. Well, this is the, the weird thing is that at the end of the story, when all of a sudden done with these transactions, all of a sudden I just get this notice. Uh, you've been removed from your PayPal account. You can try and refute it if you want, but you can no longer access any transactions. You can pull out the money you have in PayPal and that's it. It's like, whoa, okay. No, no questions asked. No, no, you know, disputation form or anything. Well, there was one, but it's pretty much, it's not going to happen. Was the, <laughs> The suggestion they were giving. And, <laughs> right. It's like a little suggestion box that has just a hole into the trash can. You're like, whoop, and it falls right into the trash. You're like, hmm, dang it. Yeah. So no no explanation either of the reason for removal. That's ridiculous. But, yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, that's a long story that I'll have to okay. explain okay. later on. Yeah, yeah. So I don't mind not having PayPal <laughs> functionality with Venmo since I don't have a PayPal. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just... That's the part that shocked me the most, I think, was that there was no way for me to link the accounts and just say, okay, my Venmo is my PayPal, my PayPal is my Venmo. They're the same account, and I can just use them all from one interface. Because PayPal has all the functionality of a regular bank. It's just a, it's almost a, it's almost just a regular banking system. Yeah. But Venmo is not. I, I don't know. I, that's all I want. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> I just want I just want to drag and drop interface on things like Venmo okay. where <laughs> you can just like click on a person's face and just like <laughs> drag like $20 bills to them, you know, <laughs> like slowly one at a time, you know, I, I want to be a little bit more interactive. I think that makes okay. it a little more fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah other yeah. than that, I don't have any complaints. <laughs> per se. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. It's free. I like that. That's true. I like how simple it is. Relatively speaking, the yeah, timeline yeah. can go away. I don't, that's, Again, that that that's weird to me. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Replace it with the drag and drop interface. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, can just drag, you have your 
you have your different assortment of bills, like Monopoly money, you have your different assortment of bills on like a, a 3D layout, and then like people, your all your friends are sitting around at the table, and you just drag and <laughs> drag and drop, send money to people, and instead of a Monopoly board, it's like a Venmo board, and <laughs> you just like what a dollar bill at a time if you want, yeah, Benjamin <laughs> gives you more of that feel of just sliding out the dough, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> and you'd have. I think that would be ideal. You can also request it that way. You like open up their wallet and like pull the money out of their wallet <laughs> on the app. Or they, when they pay you, you have your 3D representation of all your people around at the table and they pull out their wallet and they pull money out of their wallet and they hand it out. And you have to like physically, <laughs> you have to use your mouse and grab it and put it into your pile. And so they just hold out their money and you just grab it and pull it. And it would be perfect. So then tons of people owe you money and they're all just holding out money at your table. <laughs> all the people you haven't accepted yet, they're just holding their hands out, ready to go. Yes, and then you can just click, drag, click, drag, click, drag. Oh, yes, I'm rich. <laughs> They set up. They set up a VR system or AR system. You hold your phone out and you like reach your hand in front of it and grab the twenty dollar bills from your friends. Yes, thank you, thank you. That would be perfect. I might use Venmo more if that was the case. As of right now, since I can't pay anyone, I can't use Venmo. But I think a shorter term solution would also be for you just to get a new phone. It sounds like your phone's pretty crappy. <laughs> Don't you start on this, too. <laughs> My girlfriend's on this. And now you're going to get on the train, and it's not good. I like my phone. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll leave it. It's, it's okay. It's just indestructible and the right size. So that helps. I haven't been able to find another one that's the right size. I've been looking. I've been looking. If you can find a 4.5-inch screen, that's a good phone. That's what I want. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're willing to go bigger, I have plenty of phones that are... Good size and the perfect performance, but when you limit yourself in screen size, you're also limiting the number of possible phone <laughs> options. But we'll we'll discuss that. Right, right. Time. It's okay. It'll be okay. I'll get over it. You'll make it through. I'll make. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll make That's it through, good. and I will just continue to not use. As long as I can transfer the money out of my Venmo from the website, we're good. I don't have to pay anyone through Venmo. I'll just. You'll keep writing checks for the time being. Right. <laughs> yes, I'll put my checkbook and scribble on some paper to signify the transaction of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like well, it. I like it. We're done. <laughs> Last time we had a pretty long conversation about conferences and specifically uh, CVPR, which was the computer vision and pattern recognition conference that I went to a couple weeks ago. And I didn't want to bore you to death with all CVPR stuff <laughs> last time, so I tried to split up the topics a little bit. Okay. Um, but last time I focused a lot on conferences themselves. Right. Um, I want to kind of talk a little bit about some of the results from that conference that we saw. Okay. And some of the horrifying implications that come from some of those results. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the things I saw was again all of these are fascinating. Um, algorithms and things that people are doing. Mm-hmm. One of the research papers was showing this algorithm that allows you to take a picture of someone's face where their eyes are closed. And then you take another picture of that person's face from any angle, different lightings, different conditions, but their eyes are opened in that picture. And so if you have one picture of that person with their eyes open and one picture with them with their eyes closed, mm-hmm. 
you can basically learn the geometry of their eyes in the open picture and move it into the eyes or the picture of them with their eyes closed right. and basically make them open their eyes in that picture. And it's super cool and it's really good looking. Like I looked at the yeah. results. It's very high quality. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's kind of horrifying to think how good that would make a program like Photoshop, for example. Right. And <laughs> there's lots of cool applications like, you know, family photos, for example. You take five family photos and in all five of them, hopefully you have your eyes open in at least one of those photos, right? And then you could go back and just take a kind of a combination photo from the five where everyone's eyes are open and they're looking in the right direction and that type of thing. And that's kind of what they were trying to promote and that type of idea. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be perfect. But, I mean, if you can do that type of work, then there's also many horrible applications to that <laughs> for people that are trying to deceive, you know. Right, right. Um, let me give you another example I saw at CDPR. A group at Oxford has done a lot of work with audio and video. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually Andrew Zisserman's group. He, famous uh, computer vision guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, they're doing a lot of cool work with audio and visual. And one of the things that they kind of showed a like a prototype for at the conference was an algorithm that allows you to redub a video file into like a different language or a different, even just a different audio file. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say we record a video and the video is all in English. Mm-hmm. If you try to then translate that into Japanese, you can get someone to do the Japanese audio for it. Yeah. But the lip movement's obviously not going to match up. Right, right. It just totally, it's totally off and it looks yeah, ridiculous like, at times. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever watched anime or anything like yeah. that, you, <laughs> you know what this looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the point is that um, what they were showing is that they could do is kind of similar idea to the eye uh, paper where you could reopen eyes. If you learn someone's lip movements enough from watching video of them, yeah. you could basically learn the geometry of their lips and then take the audio file and learn the geometry of what certain sounds look like. Okay. And then you could readjust their lip movements to match the new audio file. So they, they got they gave an example where they had someone someone from the news doing some report and instead he was just singing singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star the whole time, like in the video. <laughs> and it's it's not quite there. Like, you can still okay. tell it's CGI. Okay, yeah. It or, doesn't look quite right. Right. I, and, and, I mean, CGI is a strong word. It's not like they are doing the graphics themselves. Like, the algorithm is just replacing images for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a patch-based fashion. But, okay. Um, so it doesn't quite... It doesn't, it's not quite there, but it's pretty close. And down the road, I'm, I'm confident they're going to get to that point where you can just redub people's lips to right. whatever audio you want. Which, again, has cool applications for video processing and also horrible applications of video processing. (laughs) Right, yeah. The ability to make people change what they were saying saying. is really creepy to think about. That's really scary. Yeah, that's really scary. And and so I guess the, the bigger question is, in my opinion, there's a lot of people that would argue that you you put more regulations on things, you try and slow down progress. I'm never a fan of that type of argument, any type of regulatoriness and science or that type of thing, yeah, because yeah. someone's going to discover it. Someone's going to do it. Someone, someone's going to invent. You can't, you can't halt progress in that way. Right, right. And it, it doesn't do you any good to do that. Right. There's plenty of movies that, that just yeah 
Yeah. I really like a line that uh, Edward Teller said one time about the hydrogen bomb. He okay. was one of the principal scientists on the hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And someone asked him, do you ever regret making this weapon that could destroy, you know, thousands or even millions of, you know, people and homes and that type of thing? He said, no, I don't regret it because that means the technology is now in someone that is capable of managing it and not in the hands of someone else that would use it for more evil. Something like that. I don't remember the exact line, but <laughs> kind of the same, same idea. Like, if we don't do it, somebody's going to do it without publishing it. Right. Someone's going to make an algorithm that does it and does it on the back end or, you know. So there's no reason right. to halt that progress. So in my yeah. mind, this is going to happen and people are going to use it for, for good and ill. And evil, yes. So my question is, what do we as the average citizen that they're seeing tons of stuff photoshopped and the news constantly? And I mean, there's all that, you know, scandal and fake news and all this stuff. Like, what, what does the future look like in our case? And what are we going to do about it? I guess is my question. That's a big one. That's a heavy one. Because I feel it. I feel it already with with just photoshopping images. I'll go onto the internet and I'll look at stuff. And some stuff I'm just... I almost... I can't believe it. It's, it's such an unbelievable picture that even if it's a real picture, I still can't believe it. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not... I can't... I need to, I need to actually see this. Like this picture is not going to be enough to convince me. I'm super skeptical of any image I see. <laughs> right, right. Like um my my girlfriend showed me a picture of an elephant like walking along with a lion with like a little baby lion cub in its trunk and my first thought was immediately like that's not real. That's not it can't be real. And and the more we looked at it the more we talked about it the more we were like it's not real, but like it's obvious. I could, even if it was real, I was like, no, nah, no, nah. yeah. There's no way that was that. There's no way I'm gonna believe that's real. And that's that's fine for images on the internet. Like, that's a part of life that I've kind of come to accept is that I can't really trust most images that I'll find on the internet. I can trust images that I've taken or the people I've talked to taken, but like images in general could be so far off or slightly altered in terrible ways. But what do we do? The question is, what do we do when that becomes the news and becomes everything that we see and all the all the all the interactions we have that are digital interactions? What happens when those are all broken and and destroyed by a way to manipulate them in in such a way that it we can't tell whether or not that's what the newscaster actually said, right? Or whether that's just nonsense that they're saying. Yeah, I'm. I mean, my, my trust level for things on the internet is already low. Mm-hmm. And after going to this conference in the future, I perceive that I'll pretty much go mm-hmm. to zero. You right. Know? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, part of me is like, well, it doesn't matter anyways. I think it was funny when this big fake news thing broke out and everyone mm-hmm. was freaking out about it. I just kind of laughed because I was like, oh, you guys actually trust things on the internet? You know? <laughs> I was already so skeptical of everything. I wasn't believing anything that was being said anyways. Right, right. It was, it was so far from my, like, interests or, you know, understanding of politics or anything that I, it didn't really matter to me, you know. So mm-hmm. when all these fake news stories came out, I just kind of laughed because I was like, oh, you guys are trusting something that obviously shouldn't be trusted. Shouldn't be, yeah, shouldn't be um, trusted at all. Yeah, but I think in, in my mind, we'll get to the point where, like you said, which it just will be in all of our digital digital communications, we have to take everything with like a grain of salt okay. and know that there is a percentage chance that it it isn't 
real or there was manipulation or that type of thing. Right. And I don't think there's a ton of forms of communications that I have with the digital world where that will really matter. Because, okay. again, at least for me, okay. I'm not a huge news guy. I'm not a huge politics guy. Right. So... I don't see many scenarios where, you know, some political leader said something and it just horrifies me or that type of thing. And usually if they do, right. I'm like, oh, that's fake or, oh, they're not going to live up to it. Or, you know, that, that <laughs> so yeah, there's I layers of like mistrust and distrust that are already in place to protect you from from crazy stuff that does happen already on the Internet. That, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so, I mean, we could we can try and if you want, we can think about ways to improve that. But I actually have a. A bigger dilemma. Okay. And that, not to horrify you. Okay. okay. Without trying to frighten you, mm -hmm. think about this scenario. Will you ever again be able to use photographic evidence in a criminal case? Or even video evidence pretty soon. Or audio. Or audio. Like, when will we get to the point that we can't trust any digital forms of evidence for criminal investigation. That's... And it'd be easier to frame people and that type of thing, which is absolutely horrifying to think about. That's terrifying. That's, yeah. that's, completely, <laughs> that's completely terrifying. I just... Yeah, that's... I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this future play out in my head where we can't trust digital communication anymore. So, so here, here's, here's my, here's my concern. Okay. Because the, the problem with a lot of court cases, not, not that I'm a lawyer or anything, but you're at <laughs> right. the, you're at the mercy of the, the jury, right? right? Right. And so how informed your jury is determines how well they're going to be able to handle the case, basically. Right, right. And I don't even, I don't even want to go into all the details of things that are, weird and messed up in criminal law where mm -hmm. they can like hand select their juries and that type of thing. It's, there's a lot of weird things there. But ignoring those problems for a second, <laughs> if we get into a world where, for example, I'm in computer vision research, so I'm aware of all these changes that are going on. Right. If I'm in a jury and I see a video that I, is believable to have been manipulated, okay, yeah. I'm going to take that with less credence than something else. Right. But if you're not aware that that type of stuff is possible, you're going to be much more willing to accept that evidence as, you know, incriminating or other things like that. Right. And so I think in the in the distant future, there'll be everyone will be much more informed about how things can be manipulated and we'll have seen these things. Right. But there's a very scary gray area between mm -hmm. when these things start coming out and are usable mm -hmm. and when the general public is totally aware that they exist. Right. And that's what I'm afraid of is, you know, the a five to ten year period where the public is not informed enough to know that you can easily manipulate these types of files. Right. And in that time period, <laughs> that that's horrifying to think about because if someone's manipulating videos and for evidence for framing or that type of thing, you may have a jury that's totally unaware of that possibility yeah. and is using it as incriminating evidence. Right, right. So, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't know enough about the law or, like, the court system to know if there's already regulations on that in terms of using evidence. But Right, right. 
if that is the case that you can use photos and videos from people's phones from other sources and use that as evidence in the case mm-hmm. that is so scary to think yeah. about that's terrifying like this is kind of just just a little bit freaking me way out <laughs> because i see this the structure of the internet like this global structure that supports information and sharing of information supports a communication between between everything it connects the world in ways that could never have been done before and if this becomes common enough if this if this kind of manipulation becomes as common as photoshop on on the internet photoshop on social media which is to the point like <laughs> i don't trust pictures at all anything yeah. that looks any kind of like i don't know that's not that 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 seems a little weird it's gone it's off i i don't trust right. it anymore if it if these kind of things get that kind of credence on the internet it it destroys this this global structure of information it destroys the internet almost it destroys the purpose of the internet and that is terrifying <laughs> i'm like i'm kind of freaking out about it uh, again i'm i'm just assuming the internet's going to go to pot anyways <laughs> just <laughs> i mean never be believable ever again that's it's true. already kind of there it's pretty much there <laughs> i i'm just afraid of yeah not so much not so much that you know someone made the president look like he was saying something he didn't right that that would be pretty verifiable. Okay, yeah. And again, no one takes politics seriously or should take politics seriously. I, I'm more concerned about misinformed people that will use that information unwisely. Okay. Assume something's true that's not in an unwise way. Right. And take actions because, because of that. Be, right. Because of the misinformation. Yeah. The law system's the most easy example to think of. Yeah. But I mean, any any organization or any anyone that has any type of influence that takes that information in the wrong way or uses it incorrectly or assumes it's true and thus takes action could have very bad consequences if people are able to just manipulate things this way. Right. You can do that with a lot of organizations, and you can cause super crazy splits with a lot of organizations that would just cause them to destroy themselves based on just a little kernel of misinformation given through manipulation. That's scary and messed up but <laughs> i think i think i think you're right i think that transitionary period is going to be the scariest hardest time <laughs> when n- people don't know that you can't trust any digital form of communication if it sounds kind of sketchy like it's it, don't trust it like it's not it's not real it's a video it's not real it can't be real it's it's been changed i was just thinking this this is actually the first topic on save the world that might actually save the world if we fix it. <laughs> <laughs> if we can figure out a way to We, we may help. stop, like, war and, you know, yeah. catastrophic <laughs> events if we can figure out how to solve this problem. So No, that's true. That's true. I think people don't know. Like, I don't know. I didn't know that until you, my buddy, who goes to computer vision <laughs> conferences, could tell me, could, could explain these things to me. I, I had no idea. And it's not... People kind of know, but it's not communicated very clearly. And it's, and it's a hard thing to communicate to a lot of people. I think the first step is getting that transitionary period where people don't know about it as short as possible. Yes. If we can get that as short as possible, 
that as soon as it starts becoming a problem, like, everyone needs to know immediately. Like, public announcements, like, everything to let people know that this is not, this is going to be a problem. I was just thinking we could make, like, a video explaining it, but what if someone manipulates the video <laughs> and then it doesn't get the information across? Right, right. We're sitting here explaining how you can't trust anything on the internet. So you're fine. You can trust anything you want on the internet. <laughs> we sing no. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at the end. And... Hey, let me show you. I'll sing a song for you. And there's no way this could be fake. And I start singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars. <laughs> It would have to be I it would have to be like print I I'm imagining like printed, put in the mail system, <laughs> like good solid piece of paper kinda kinda evidence because you have to tell everyone. You can't just tell some people, you have to tell you have to tell the young people, you have to tell the middle people, you have to tell the old people, you have to tell everybody. Yeah. So that everyone knows, so that no one's surprised when it starts happening in being used for L. Not that I think that it'll be super common right for it to be used for ill immediately but if if people don't know it's too easy being informed is the the key Mm -hmm. and that's and again let's like photoshop like most people are aware of photoshop and most people are informed enough to know not to trust photos i think people already know not to trust a lot of stuff which is why it's hard to communicate that you know, does, like, what do you say? Like, oh, don't trust things you see on the internet. Well, people already know that. But <laughs> right. the level that things are going to be able to be manipulated is going up very quickly. And so that's yeah. hard to, like, express, like, oh, on this date, your your trust level should go down by 20%. You know, like, <laughs> how, how do you explain that information? You know? Right, right. That's, yeah. Well, and it's it's also difficult to... It'd be. I can imagine it being difficult to explain to people who aren't involved on the internet. Like, I think people on the internet would get it. I think. I think people involved in social media would would kind of get it pretty quick. Be like, tech has gotten far enough that you need to be worried about technology and and manipulation of your videos and your stuff because it's already there. I mean, it's it's already enough ridiculous stuff that that people on the internet would understand. But people who are not involved on the internet, not involved in computers, don't understand the capabilities of computers. I think they would have a hard time accepting and understanding a warning that they can't trust video anymore. They can't trust pictures anymore. Like, you can't trust anything anymore. Right. But would that make us sound like crazy people? Well, I could see see a lot of people taking, like, if it wasn't big enough, if it wasn't done by, like, the state, done by the governments of the world, if, if the governments didn't take a hold and run with this and start trying to inform people, like, if we tried to do it, I think plenty of people would label us as nutcases. Right. And just and just ignore it. Push it off to the side. Right. Because of misinformation from our information that just it it would just fall apart. I can just see it just totally and then they wouldn't be informed. That's where the trouble starts. As you know, I often if I can, I avoid people in solutions and <laughs> try and go more for tech based <laughs> solutions if possible. Right, right. But yes, the this is definitely one where people matter in the scenario. Yeah. One interesting thing that I did see at CBPR that might be helpful is um, there was actually a paper that was showing an algorithm that was actually capable of detecting Photoshop edits. What? Really? And so, ironically, I, Adobe was the one that published it, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, but what it could do is, again, this is all based on these deep learning algorithms that just trains, train on millions of data points. Right. 
and learn to separate things into categories. So basically, the idea is that Photoshop edits look realistic to you and the human eye, mm -hmm. but in terms of how pixels look near each other, mm -hmm. edges and things like that, they don't look real to a computer right. because the numbers are discrete enough. They're far enough away from each other that they don't mimic real photos. Okay. There's kind of a natural blending in photos that's really hard to match in Photoshop. Right. You can get it to look right in Photoshop to the human eye, but a computer can tell that difference. There's an imperceptible difference between Photoshop photos and regular photos to a computer. Right. So basically, they train this algorithm to be able to detect when those edits are made. Okay. But the problem is, again, you, you can train an algorithm that can learn to fool that algorithm, right? Like, yeah. It's just, it's just a cat and mouse chase at that point where, oh, we just, we figured out something that can show that this was edited. Right. Well, we made another algorithm that makes our edited stuff look like it's real. Well, we've made another <laughs> algorithm that made that look real. You know? right. And so it just become this terribly long process of continually trying to beat that system. If we were trying to figure out a way to label fake yeah. photos or fake, fake videos. Yeah. It might be the scenario that you could have that long enough that in that transition period, you could be trying to label things as fake and real. But the problem is as soon as you do that, someone's going to instantly try and find something that breaks it. Right. And then as soon as they break it, now things that are labeled real start switching start you know things that things that should be labeled fake are now be labeled real and people again don't know what to trust because right. they were trusting things that should have been labeled real or should have been labeled fake and now they're labeled real and so there's no technical solution to beat that I don't think if it, if it was the olden days <laughs> the olden days of computers <laughs> that that algorithm probably would have been good for like a year or two maybe longer yeah but I mean things are running so fast now I doubt that would last longer than three months where it could be trusted. So I, I legitimately think there's not a tech-based solution. solution to seeing if you can verify real versus fake. Shoot. Again, it goes back to our previous solution that you have to inform people. People have to know they can't trust this stuff. Every every technical solution is going to be beaten. It's, yeah, it can, be, it can be changed. It can be manipulated to the point of, of never being able to trust it. Yeah. That's a bummer. I was getting really hopeful as you were talking about that, about the Photoshop. I was like, oh, this is perfect. We can just, we can just set the, set the algorithms loose yeah. and just let a, let them tell us, but well, we can't. Yeah. I mean, a great example they show of that, that's a very common example in deep learning is that there's a lot of things that are classifiers. Some of the first algorithms in deep learning were for classifying. So I gave yeah. you a photo of a tiger and a photo of a cockroach yeah. and you're supposed to be able to the computer is supposed to be able to determine that's a tiger, that's a cockroach, based on the things it learns from the photo. Mm -hmm. But you can just take that algorithm and you can change a couple parameters and say, I really want this tiger to look like a cockroach. And it will go through and go through and it will add pixels randomly throughout the image in such a way that's almost imperceptible to the human eye, but it gets to the point that the algorithm thinks it's a cockroach. What really? Yeah. So, so, so the picture will still look mostly like a tiger, but the the computer thinks it's a, thinks it's a cockroach, right? Because there's enough like random noise added to the photo that it makes it perceive it as a cockroach. So even even these huge models we have that deep learn on images, mm -hmm. 
on millions of training examples with some simple manipulation of those models, you mm-hmm. can change the results. So even those, you know, wow. are manipulable, which again, that Photoshop detector is cool, but you can just take your photo, yeah, train it to make it look like it's not Photoshopped according to that algorithm. And then you're done. You know, that algorithm now believes it's not Photoshopped. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the point is, I don't, I don't think there's a tech solution, unfortunately, because that's usually my go-to, but I don't think there is one in this case. Right. We have to use people. (laughs) Good old 15 minute people. (laughs) That'll get it reliably done in 15 minutes. That's the way. That's, it kind of bums me out just a little bit. I, I honestly was hoping I think learning about the stuff I realized to hope that I had would, would be that I'd be able to tell, I'd be able to trust information that I got received digitally. Like I trust it right now. Like I, I was hoping that I could always trust it and that it could get better. My trust could get higher in it. And sadly that is, <laughs> it's not how it's going to be, which is, it's okay. It's okay. Well, again, it, for most things, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. If again, if you're informed and realize that a lot of these things are going to be manipulated, yeah. so it goes back to our solution. How do, how do we inform people in that transition period that hopefully makes it as short as possible? Is there a way to quantize the level of trust mm-hmm. that you should have? I guess you could give like example videos and show them. That's true. If if there was yeah, if there was some way. To show, to give examples to people. To... I got an idea. Okay, okay. Let's idea. hear it. Let's hear it. You have people download this app. Okay. Kind of like a, like a Snapchat filter type thing. Okay. Where it's like a famous president's speech or something. Or yeah. Something like that. And they film themselves and it shows them redubbing for the person's speech or something like that. Okay, okay. I think that would be pretty convincing. That. And that would be in a, a way that doesn't have to be like government message. <laughs> Danger. Danger. Alert. The world's ending. <laughs> you, you can make it like a, a cool app that everyone has so that people know. Like, so you're not forcing right. people to be like, be aware of danger. Right. It's just like, oh, everyone has, you know, redub the app. Right. S- super, super dub the super app. <laughs> super duper dub. That, you know, you can... You lip sync to the Backstreet Boys singing or something, you know. Right, right. And it'll change. I think that would be incredibly effective for those who would, who would use the app. If it could if it could gain social standing, then it would, it would be something that everyone's seen and everyone knows about. And it will plant the idea in their mind without, without like what, without your, what you're saying is the, <laughs> is the, is the big scary danger <laughs> alert, the, the, the public panic alarm that you don't want to be setting off because that's that's also a disaster right yeah you could you could just as changes are coming mm-hmm. you make them available quickly enough in trivial versions <laughs> right right so that people are aware that you can you can change you it. can do that right right that that manipulation is possible that makes that I, I think <laughs> solved it's a, I solved think it's a idea. <laughs> I think Done. I think it reaches most people there's still there's still poor aunties and uncles out there right. who who we still got to talk to, but I think they would they would do well with a a little a little mail in letter, you know, just a little, <laughs> a little postcard that says, "Hey, by the way, 
Or, I don't know, how do I... Mm, no. I don't know. You may... Let's let's think about the cases where it matters, like criminal law. Okay. <laughs> As people are coming in, you make them use all the apps in sequence <laughs> before the trial, so that they're aware that these these technologies exist. Right, right. Like, have you guys played on these apps? And they're all like, uh, "No. Why would we have played on those apps?" And he's like, "Well, you see, you see." These apps are actually a public message to show the possible types of manipulation. So you got to you got to you got to play with these apps for a few minutes and 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 and, and learn what's possible. <laughs> <laughs> and then like poor aunties and uncles will just be like trying to figure it out. And as soon as they figure it out, they'll be they'll be freaking out because <laughs> the video is all wrong. And and then these poor these poor people will go into the the <laughs> go do their jury work and. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that. that that's that's a good <laughs> of way. Of course, a simpler solution, which, again, may already exist. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Would be just that any type of external evidence, not from like a government agency or the investigation crew, mm-hmm. would just not be accepted. Like any digital evidence. Somebody's phone video, okay. someone's photograph from, you know, camera. If it's not from the investigation crew themselves, then it's just not right. allowed. Right, that makes sense. And then the investigation crew has to has to be able to detect and tell. They have to be able to reasonably say, okay, well, this has probably been manipulated and this probably hasn't, if it has. I don't even know if you would accept it. I would still, even for the investigation crew, maybe they'd have some more trustworthy people that are aware of that scenario. But mm-hmm. Oh, that's true, that's true. But I would, I would still even be skeptical then, you know. I would, right. I would just say only investigation crew photos and videos and that type of thing or police videos of that type hmm. I don't again that might already exist in some form but I'd make it stricter <laughs> right. <laughs> right a right, lot stricter based on what I saw yeah yeah um, but I mean it doesn't hurt to help uncles and aunties to you know poor. to join the 21st century and of course, <laughs> of course. learn about these apps they, they need to know if they're going to be watching the news they need to know that anything's possible I can't think of very many ways to tell everybody really fast Without, like, air raid sirens and... <laughs> public uproar. Public, yeah, causing great public panic. You almost need to tell the jury beforehand, go, by the way, or you, like, in the court case, like, in the courts, like, be like, okay, but by the way, there's new technology that can manipulate videos, so be careful. And then, and then just let them loose. And then, like, but then the jury is like, do we trust anything anymore? And it causes all sorts of public problems. Yeah. So again, I think I think showing examples of it in trivial solutions is the best way. So cool apps okay. that use it. Yeah, yeah. Even okay. like you're you're in the mall or something, mm-hmm. and like advertisements are using this technology. So they have the newscaster singing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" in their advertisement. I yeah. don't know why, but they're they're doing it. Or you know, they have examples <laughs> everywhere of this manipulation occurring in ways where it's obvious that that manipulation occurred. But, right. but even then, how do you make it obvious that it occurred? You have to like show the original video, right? That's and then show just, the manipulation. I was just thinking about an advertisement where it could be like a newscaster on the news, and all of a sudden he breaks story and starts talking about something else. And the newscaster's looking at it, and it like it like switches to the newscaster watching, watching, watching a replay of it, and just like, what? I didn't say that. That's not what I said. I don't like peanuts. I hate peanuts. And he's like, peanuts are the best. I love peanuts. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't, what? I don't like peanuts. I'm allergic, man. 
I hate bubble gum. Yeah. See where I'm going with that? That would be more like a PSA, or would that just be part of? Some... No, it'd be like an like a, like the um, peanuts. Oh, advertisement peanuts. for the peanuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like advertisements. They start using these these like ways where people are like rewatching themselves say things, and they're like, "That's not what I said. Like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not what happened." I feel like Geico would jump in on this. Geico. They, they, they could do some <laughs> good commercials somehow with this. Yes, we'll cool. set them loose on it. Hmm. That reaches, that reaches a lot of people. I think a lot of people see Geico commercials. I think a lot of people look up Geico commercials because they're so funny. <laughs> so if they, had, yeah. if they had some, you know, clever slogan mm-hmm. and then they had a big line of commercials where they're showing that they can do this video manipulation, um, I think that would get across to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a clever Geico slogan. Did you really say you haven't considered switching to Geico? Or <laughs> I don't know. Right, 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 right. It's not our. Thankfully, that's Geico's problem. Not they, they, they don't know how to do that much better <laughs> than we yeah, do. Yeah, they're they're they've got they've got a crew on 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 it for that kind of stuff. So advertisements for companies, commercials, and stuff, apps, trending apps, trending apps. Thank, thank you, thank you. Trending apps. What else? What else could we do? I have a lot of future technology examples, but by the time those technologies exist, <laughs> I think the problem with this will be solved. It's, yeah, it's, so it's, people will be aware. It will be through the transitionary period, and it, it'll yeah. be okay. When, when the holograms can tell people about this scenario, we probably don't have to worry about this scenario. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I think it's really interesting that some of the bigger problems that we've talked about thus far on the show deal with communication and needing to communicate with a lot of people. I think it's a topic for later, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's the the global problem in a lot of <laughs> cases, is communicating information. That's true. I, I would say for right now, though, um, that's all the solutions I can come up with. Same. So I say we just leave it to the listeners to put any other ones they can think of and Yes, yes. See if we can save the world together because yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people we need to talk to. A lot of aunties and uncles that need, yeah, need yeah. some uh, helpful communication about right, what, the, right. what is possible. That's true. That's true. I like that, that we'll, we'll save the world together. Because <laughs> you and I are here to save the world, but... We come up with the ideas. They come up with the ideas. And then they enforce it. Right. <laughs> they, they actually carry it out. <laughs> We we are but we are but two dudes sitting in a booth. <laughs> we need some help. And we, yeah, <laughs> we, we need a lot of help. And if 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 the world doesn't band together to save the world, it would truly be the end of the world. Because <laughs> there's no other way. That was deep. That was very deep. You want to go get some Wendy's?